Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. All right, and welcome to Startup Business Q&A episode 158. Thanks so much for joining us. And this week we've got quite a fun topic of mine. We've done this one before, but when you've done 158 weeks of live Q&As, you end up doing a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of duplication every so often. But this is a topic that there's always an appetite for. So uh, I'm happy to focus on conversions today. That's what we'll be talking about. That can mean your traffic your audience, uh, working with leads, could be anything. Uh, we are, I think we're live right now uh, on Instagram, we're live on Facebook, we're about to be live on LinkedIn as well, it does like to take its time. Um, and I'm just gonna um, get it up here as well. So we've got so many screens, so many cameras these days, and a lot of people are saying to me, and by the way, those of you doing live streaming, of course, Self, do you want to be efficient or effective here? So when it comes to looking at if you're going to post uh, multiple live streams at the same time, it really makes sense to think about how you do it. Because what I'd like to do is have multiple platforms being covered. So I like to have, uh, let me just get this live. I like to have um, different cameras and different uh, you know, pieces of a kit for each of the um, platforms simply because Otherwise, I can't see the conversations coming through. My understanding, tell me if I'm wrong, but if you look, for instance, to use something like Restream, which basically is software, third-party software that you know streams simultaneously across loads of platforms, you can't see, it doesn't you know, um, bring together all of the um, uh, comments and, and chat going on. If I have Instagram here, I have Facebook there, I have LinkedIn Live right here, what it allows us to do is have separate conversations coming through so I can keep abreast of what's going on. So, and that's, that's how, simply how it works. Hello, LinkedIn. Looks like we're live there now, finally, as well. Yes, we are. So I'm going to just make sure the sound is off here so I can listen. But basically, um, Startup Business Q&A started three years ago. Those of you who haven't uh, seen it before, this is episode 158, so week 158. This week's um, uh, live is on, uh, basically, on conversions. It could be on anything. It could be on your leads. It could be on your funnels. It could be on your traffic. A lot of people are asking about how to convert followers, so we're going to look at that as well. I've got a load of questions from you lot, so thank you very much. People have been submitting questions through Facebook and through LinkedIn. Just wait for a few people to come onto the stream. And if you have a question on this topic, do fire away, pop it in the comments. But to start with, please put in the comments hashtag team live, hashtag team live, or hashtag team replay based on if you're watching live or watching in replay, but also add in there where you're watching from and it'd be interesting to see where people are based. So if you're watching this, either live or replay, add, add in the hashtag, but also where you're watching from. Uh, it'd be great to see you there. Just a few uh, bits of uh, housekeeping, some exciting developments up ahead. 13th of August, that's uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. What day is that? <laughs> 13th of August, I think, I'm pretty sure that's Wednesday. Uh, no, sorry, Tuesday, should know that. By next, So next week on Tuesday is Startup Business Q&A, no, is Entrepreneur Business Live. Um, Nottingham is our first one outside of London in the UK. Um, and it's going to be uh, hosted by Raf Barron. It's also got Kieran Bailey uh, and marvellous uh, Rachel Chang is going to be streaming all the way from uh, over in Texas. So thank you very much to her. And the whole focus is on resourcefulness in startups. I'm excited to hear that's bubbling away. And then next week that'll be live. So you'll be able to watch the live stream in the Entrepreneur Business Group on Facebook. So you just go to Facebook, type Entrepreneur Business Group and you'll find it. 
you can join in there and watch. Uh, another bit of housekeeping is that probably this week looks okay to be, we'll be confirming the dates of Entrepreneur Business Live Miami. Should be the back end of September, probably the last week of September. Uh, I will be announcing the speakers as well. I'm very, very excited about this one. The theme is going to be on using video for your business. Uh, some of you might know uh, speakers already who are going to be speaking there, uh, but there's a couple to be uh, confirmed and that will be announced a bit later on this week. Very excited about that one. It's amazing because already people have asked, can I sponsor it? Already people are saying, where can we get a ticket? People are telling me they're going to be flying in from other states. I'm quite impressed with that one. People flying in from the other side of the country, in fact, it's going to be a big one. I'm really looking forward to that one in Miami. Uh, further out from there, I mean, just to kind of get on your radar, we've got Entrepreneur Business Live returning to San Francisco. It's only been like six weeks, uh, but that will be the 30th of October. And we're soon to be announcing probably in August, later on in August, we'll announce the uh, date of Entrepreneur Business Live LA, our first Los Angeles event, which will be hosted by Patrick Ward, uh, Marvelous Patrick Ward over there as well. So I'm excited. If you can pack in a little bit of space to do an Entrepreneur Business Live in between all these amazing LinkedIn locals he's doing. Um, anyway, should we get on with the question? Thank you very much for everyone who's watching. Um, and uh, I want to say hi if you're joining in now, over on LinkedIn, on the podcast if you're listening, on Instagram, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook as well. We are absolutely, uh, ex I'm really excited about this topic because I really like looking at conversions. The topic's conversions. If you have a question, do put it in the comments. But put in if you're hashtag team live in the comments or hashtag team replay. Uh, let us know if you're watching live or later on and whereabouts you are based. So whereabouts are you watching from? Where are you tuning in from? Some people from all over. Nice to see you on um, Facebook, Laura Pendergast, uh, Nadine, uh, also Colin Joseph's in there, uh, Maryam1901 on Instagram, AmiHDH, uh, Yazandu, what a cool name, on uh, Instagram, everhappy 7 Sing Trader, born to impress blog, I love tech twins, all the good names, as always, <laughs> on Instagram. And Roger Wilkerson, nice to see you here. I refuse to watch you live on LinkedIn ever, he says, on my live stream. Thanks for watching live, man. And he's team live re and replay, he said. Um, nice to see everyone on uh, LinkedIn. Let's just check in and see who's here. Sevda, nice to see you. Greg Stockton. Deepak, good to see you here. Jeremy Vest, my man, how are you? Amazing to see you uh, here. I saw you did your first LinkedIn Live the other day, which was fantastic on your marketing show, so I hope that went well. And Tony Tabavalas, good to see you here. Tell me if I said your name wrong. Uh, Deepak, again, is mentioned. I'm from India. Greg Stockton, Team Live, all the way from Dubai. You lucky chap. It's a lovely, warm day out there, probably. Yasmin Ibrahim, nice to see you on Insta uh, Facebook as well. Luke Severs uh, from Charleston, South Carolina. Lisa Almsheim in Michigan. I looked at a beautiful book this weekend about Michigan. I was very impressed with it. And uh, yeah, Antoni is over in Toronto. Belinda Aramide, an amazing person who hosted the Toronto Entrepreneur Business Live recently. She'll be rolling out another one. I've got to get a date sorted for that, but probably into October or something like that. So there's lots on the horizon. Let's get into the questions, shall we? Um, give me a thumbs up if you're excited or if this is an exciting topic for you. Very, very into uh, conversions. Let's start with Belinda herself because I just mentioned her. She's asked a question uh, through LinkedIn and she's asked, uh, conversions, brilliant topic, Richard Moore. I thank you. It was actually, just to be clear, this topic I asked, um, and this is how you find out what your audience wants. I asked recently 
on uh, LinkedIn, in fact. Uh, so what kind of topics would be interesting? And Tima El Haj from over in um, Melbourne, who is has actually sent me a message today to say she cannot watch because she's ill and in bed, poor thing, but bad excuse, uh, has, actually, has actually said she'd like to hear about conversion. So this was actually her idea. And uh, she's asked, I'd be curious about your thoughts on if there are differing conversion patterns and behaviors on different platforms or if people seem to act the same regardless of platform in your experience. Well, in my experience, because this is the point of the show, these questions are answered by me based on my opinion and my experience. I feel that actually, in my experience, because I've done a lot of conversions from Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn across three, four, five years. And what I've really found is that there isn't much in it. And it's true for some that on certain platforms, people are in a certain state of mind. It is true that probably on LinkedIn, people are in a bit more of an office-y, business-y kind of mode, and that can, can reflect in, uh, should reflect in the content you put out to them, specifically if you're running ads, in my opinion, to cold traffic at the top of your funnel. In, on Facebook and Instagram, more Facebook, I would, I've really found, if people are there to maybe do more pure social stuff, which is look at pictures of a wedding or something like that, for example. And if that's in mind, you need to think to yourself, how am I positioning this ad? I mean, what does the ad, how does it come across? Is the vibe or tone a bit more fun, for example? That often can work. But the reality is that the same people are looking on your ads uh, on Facebook as on, on LinkedIn. It's just they're in a slightly different state of mind. And I've found that because it is a truth that before they are their job title, these people who are consuming you or engaging with you are people first. It means that when you engage with someone, you should look to try and convert the person. And therefore, uh, in my experience, uh, Belinda, and I've done a lot of conversions over the years, and that's from uh, conversions of just an email address, that being the transaction, uh, all the way through to um, multiple tens of thousands of dollar deals uh, online as well. And all of these start with engaging with the people first. And so whilst it's cute, it's also true. And it's a cliche and it's all that kind of thing, but it's, it's true because it, it is important to understand you're engaging with people first. So with that in mind, I don't find there's so much uh, behavioral difference when you engage people manually, okay? And what I mean by that is in the DMs or voice messages, uh, or direct messages, or in the comments, in fact, people are just as prone to write things uh, in a jovial way as they might on Facebook, or they are just as likely to have a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun. They don't put on the serious filter always when it's LinkedIn. That is the truth, truth for some, but in my experience, people are fine with being just normal and open. I mean, I, um, when I do corporate pitches, so if someone's like, you know, can you, can you pitch us uh, how it would look if you were to work with us on this basis? When I do that pitch, I'm speaking to a professional with a particular job title in a particular business, and yet there's still the fun and interactions that really should lead the relationship building. There's no difference in, in the, the beginning of building relationships in business as it is uh, um, in the kind of the fun social spent, uh, sense in my, in my experience. And with that in mind, it doesn't really affect you. 
as I said a little earlier, the caveat here or the cha the difference is when you are engaging with someone in uh, the form of, of kind of hitting them in the, in the mass sense and through an advert, I've found that I tend to do a little better when I'm slightly more formal uh, on LinkedIn as opposed to Facebook. And I'm doing slightly better on Facebook and Instagram when I'm slightly more fun. That has tended to have a slightly better in, in, you know, improvement in conversions, but that's with the ads. When it comes to engaging manually, it's gotta be, you know, just chill out and be a little bit more social first. That tends to work in my opinion. What's worked for you? It'd be interesting to put that in the comments, but hopefully that's answered your question, Belinda. Thanks very much for that, uh, to kick us off. Uh, to, kick, to kick us off even. Antonio, I know you're watching, so uh, on, on LinkedIn, let's check you out here. Uh, Antonio uh, Antonio's asked, uh, love the topic, Richard. Uh, question is, how would you convert an audience that is not necessarily your target market or demographic that continuously resonates with your marketing? What you're asking here is how do you convert people that are wrong for your product but resonate with your marketing? What you've got to do here is look at the other way around. What this, if this is generally the case, these are the wrong people to buy your product but they really resonate with your marketing. It tells you something about your marketing. What that says is, is if I sell shoe polish, right, and I get huge engagement because I post, um, you know, Tony Robbins memes about motivation, my, I'm, my marketing will resonate with a, mar with a target audience and a demographic. This is a perfect example of what, how marketing can be done wrong, but you don't realize it. I get huge engagement from them, but they're wrong for me. What it means is, is, is that the marketing is wrong. Okay, I'm doing the wrong kind of marketing. You can always engage or get engaged audience, but you need to understand you need to get the right engaged audience, otherwise they'll never convert. So the reason why you, you may struggle with conversions is if you have the wrong audience loving the marketing that works for them, but that marketing isn't what works for you. So you need to change your marketing. That's the exam, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the, the kind of the takeaway here. Uh, Roger Wilkinson's put it perfectly on Facebook here. Engagement with non-buyers equals zero. Unless you are here, let's be clear, there is a little footnote I'll add to that, Roger, and, and it's quite right what you're saying, but there is a slight old, there's a, like a, a small percent of people who want to create content to engage to simply self-express, and that's completely fine. So if you're here to just express yourself, okay, because you like it, and you are keen on engagement because you want to start conversations, but you genuinely don't look for any kind of um, return other than pure engagement, and that's it. Well, then good for you. But ask yourself if marketing is generating um, a very engaged audience that really resonates with it, but is the wrong audience, your marketing is off point. And what happens is if you tweak that marketing to be more related to what you're trying to sell, that audience will lose interest. And this is a hard thing for people to do. That, that's why it's hard for people to not post the stuff that's obviously gonna go viral, the cute kittens falling off a table or whatever it might be. That, you know, that kind of thing that generates that kind of uh, emotional excitement. The problem with that is that you'll get engagement from the wrong people. So you need to kind of, and, and when you get that, it's for many people, it's like, oh, well, I really want to continue this great feeling of people being into me. And, you know, as Roger rightly said here, if you don't get any, any conversions, there's just no point. So instead, change your marketing, take the hit, have the patience, you'll lose some of the following, 
But what happens is that you start gaining the right following. If you're able to resonate with one target market, brilliant, your marketing may be doing well, time to change. Time to make a slightly different message, get out a pure signal against the kind of thing you work with, the kind of product area you, you focus on, and in return, you'll get the right demographic and the right market engaging with you, and that's where the conversions start. It's so important this, I mean, the reason why I know my marketing is working is not because I get engagement, is not because I get, you know, views and likes and, and re reactions and so on. It's because I look at the back end and I see more DMs for opportunities coming through. I see more people saying, can you help me with this? And I see more conversions organically of my courses. When that peaks up a bit, when it spikes and I get more, it's, a relate it's related often to a good bit of content going out. So it's so important to get that right. What are you judging on? And this is, this is where um, a lot should um, be derived from conversions or proper KPIs at the end point, not just did I get lots of people to look at me. Um, unless you're doing a particular form of brand marketing, but even then, like, wouldn't you want to look at conversions as well? Uh, your conversions might be onto a mailing list or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be transactional in the monetary sense. It's very important. Nadine's added a comment here. That's so true, Richard, and I see that pattern when I experiment with my content. Yeah, sometimes you convert, sometimes you don't. And typically you don't, if you have enough distribution and reach, a place like LinkedIn, for example, if you don't convert, it's usually because the, the, um, the message got hit a bit of a brick wall or it doesn't resonate or maybe your call to action wasn't clear enough, okay? Um, Roger Wilkerson is, has said, have you been using the ads for the classes? For my, uh, if you mean, Roger, uh, for my courses, yes. So I've been using um, ads on all the platforms for my, um, different courses. So the basics of LinkedIn course for the um, uh, basics of sales course and also for monetize you. And uh, yeah, so, so different types of content on those. Um, and you can, t what I often do though, is I put instead of ads to specifically sell a product, I put money against in, on ads for content. So money goes out as though it is an ad for content. What I found works really well. You just asked which ones work the best. I think I think the Facebook ads work really well, but that is probably because I have a very good guy, a guy called Kim Barrett over in the, in Australia, who does the Facebook ads, and he you know views views the data like 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 someone in the Matrix is amazing. So I think that's partly his talent that gets us that. But um, the conversion's very good. Um, but what we have done is things like downloading connections from LinkedIn, plugging them into Facebook, and then creating a lookalike audience. So that's a very strong way of leveraging interested people on, on that platform. And of course, with Instagram, because it's owned by Facebook, you can, you can direct uh, a lot of ads um, from one platform through to the other. So good questions there. Hello from Middle America, says Miguel Olav. Nice to see you. Uh, hashtag Kansas. Uh, also, Ekaterina, I just uh, refreshed by accident there. Ekaterina Bolka, I think. Bolta, uh, nice to see you here as well. Uh, and Antoni, some really great insight, Richard. Thank you. So I'm glad I answered your question. Okay. Anonymous has, uh, has asked a question as well here. Uh, this person asked to not be um, uh, named, no problem at all. If you have a question you don't want to be named, don't put it in the comments, send it to me. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so, so that person has asked, I'm not gonna say he or she, um, how do you avoid, you could understand that why, when you look at the question, how do you avoid imposter syndrome with all the competition out there? One can go from the top of the world to stressed 
less with the pressures that mount not posting it's because i'm uh, since i'm not just not able to do it i'm a stressed mess okay so this is something i spoke to someone recently about and they were saying richard the problem i've got is on instagram i do x and the problem is that everyone else is doing x on instagram it was a very instagram thing this person was doing so how do i stand out how is it that i do something unique i said you don't what you're trying to do is you're trying to um compare the service you provide which is kind of comparable to everyone else instead you need to just be massively you and what that really that sounds really really cheesy what it really means is you have to come across as much as is possible as yourself and broadcast yourself and be yourself and propagate that through distribution channels through social and whatever it is one of the reasons why these live streams are so healthy for my marketing is being partial when they for my answers some may think i'm an idiot but there might be a few in there who are like that guy hit the nail on the head he absolutely said the thing i wanted to hear and in the right way and what it is is that they like not just what you're saying that's just the device they say how they like how you say it and your personality and engage with you if you're into someone what happens is that you want to like more of their stuff it's called giving them the benefit of the doubt a perfect example of this in the sporting world is a fan usually quite a fanatic of a football team or of any kind of team they see the things they want to see i was watching the um nba playoffs with my brother-in-law over in um, california uh, several weeks ago he's a warriors fan and unfortunately they lost terrible uh, at the end but, but the point is that it was fascinating because he was seeing fouls against his team that simply weren't there and he was seeing he was not seeing fouls that his team had actually done and he was like that's a foul ref and i'm like it's, it wasn't though but he was seeing what he wants to see the point is he loves his team so much he looks at them through a, a rose-tinted lens and that's the point of coming across in a certain way so people are really into you then that what allows that what allows people to do is 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 basically if they need to buy the thing you you offer when that time comes they'll want to buy from you because it's another way of consuming you so if i sell i don't know if i sell blankets for beds then no one's going to want to buy a blanket half the time because they don't need one especially in summer but if they really like me and think i'm great when the time comes to buy a, a, a blanket i'm their guy because they like richard moore and a way of showing that they like Richard Moore is when they need something, they come to me. Some people don't use Amazon, even though it's a great, disruptive, positive thing. They don't use Amazon because they don't like Jeff Bezos. Plenty of people, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm not. Plenty of people buy Teslas because they like Elon Musk. If Elon Musk was a horrible person, he would sell less Teslas. As simple as that. It's a personal brand thing, basically. So that's what you have to do. So to get over imposter syndrome, you need to firstly understand that people are going to buy you. If they think you're cool, then you don't have to worry too much about the product. The second thing I would say about imposter syndrome is what it is is a reflection of your worry that other people are experts far above you. And the truth in, real, in reality is, yeah, they are. There are plenty of people out there who are better at understanding uh, the business world than me, for example, maybe have more experience and so on. But that doesn't matter because those people will have certain people following them that are into them who see them as an expert. There are certain people who watch my stuff and say, I don't want to watch Richard Moore 
because I don't feel, feel he has a grasp of business. They don't see me as an expert. This is all a relative thing. There will be other people who do feel that way and it's relative again. It will be a case of, I feel that maybe I'm starting out and I don't know what to do and Richard seems to be able to give good guidance, so I will follow Richard. And so, it's a, as I say, it's a relative term. If someone knows more and expresses it in the right way, that they know more than you, they are naturally positioned as an expert. They might not be much of an expert, but they are sufficiently an expert that you are no longer in a position of imposter syndrome. So to this person, the anonymous person who sent in this question, I, what I would say is, if there's lots of competition out, or you could in fact have an, uh, sorry, a, an inferior product, and it wouldn't affect things, because people are buying into you first, okay? There are probably plenty of reasons why you shouldn't buy a particular product, but you do, because even though the product isn't so great technically, you're into the, the vibe of the brand or the person, okay? So don't worry about that. So that's about the competitor thing, but the imposter syndrome part is easily fixed. Yes, there are people better than you, but you still have earned rights to talk about what you do and sell what you do to those beneath you, you know, in the sense that they are less an expert if you're a consultant, or those that need your thing and view it as good. So don't worry about it. You'll never be perfect for everyone. And if someone sees you as inferior, it's just their world view. So you have to crack on. And the thing is, if you don't try and push through, well, you'll just end up not doing anything because it feels safer. But you'll end up broke and your business will fold because you never take it anywhere. So you have to push through anyway. But you'll only feel that imposter syndrome if you're positioning someone above you when they're actually someone who probably needs your thing, okay? So if you're genuinely good at what you do, you tend to deserve an outcome of people saying, do you know what, I wanna buy that guy's thing because actually it really, you know, it's what I need right now. There will always be people as well who don't wanna buy your thing because they think they've got it covered on their own. Can't always persuade those people and so you gotta move on. So don't worry about the imposter syndrome thing, no matter how good you ever are, there's always gonna be an element of some people thinking they're superior and know their stuff. So what, they won't buy your thing. No problem, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Just looking over at, um, at LinkedIn, see a few of the uh, comments coming through, uh, Miguel, Olav, my first video ever here, here three weeks ago touched on this. Let me go scroll back up. Uh, touched on this. Some people need what you have to give at a different time, in a different way, at a time and a way only you can. Quite right. Quite right. And it's amazing how some people really tune into you and really like you. And a different person will tune into the same person on the same live stream and have a problem with you. It's because of people's worldviews. So don't worry about it. You can't always affect it. Uh, Cam H. Schmidt on um, Instagram. Random timing to pop in. Feel like you're describing me to a T. Well, in terms of the imposter syndrome thing, if that's the case, just remember there are people out there. This is your big kind of thing to remember. There are people out there who need you and need your stuff and need the service you provide and need desperately the product you have. There are people out there within that body of people that won't just need it, but when they consume it, they will think it's the greatest thing ever, okay? There are people out there who make terrible wine, for example, and yet there are people who drink it and think it's the greatest thing in the world. And then there are people above them in terms of kind of knowledge of wine who look at it and go, well, that's ridiculous, it's the worst wine ever. It doesn't matter. There will always be some people who think you're great. And for those you feel like you're an imposter engaging with, well, well, remember, if you focus on the thing you're good at that they don't know anything about, well, they will look up to you 
and that you don't, you're no longer an imposter. If you are telling someone how to do something, maybe you're going to be a, trying to be a, a life coach and you're 21 and you're trying to engage with someone who's 45, who's got three children. You haven't got a clue what life's genuinely like by then. So imposter syndrome does make sense at that point. But if you've got a lot figured out at 21 and there is someone who really is in tatters and needs help and, and you can guide them, well, then now you are helpful. So your imposter syndrome is valid, but I have it legitimate. But if I went to the city and, and coached how to sell, I would be there. I wouldn't have imposter syndrome because I have earned the right to be there. Do you see what I mean? So know what you're good on. That's the way to look at it. Okay. Great question there. Martin, uh, Church, Martin Churchman, nice to see you on here. Um, hello, Richard. Great advice. Is there a fine line between being authentic in your marketing approach in being massively you and not just promoting what I may like personally and in the way it appeals to me, given that not one size may fit all all the time? I think I'm getting what you're saying. What you'll remember is that if you can map back from your ideal customer, Martin, your ideal customer saying, do you know what? I really want this. So remember, your ideal customer isn't someone who just buys it. Big mistake. Ideal customer is someone who buys it, loves it, and evangelizes about it to other people as well. If you can resonate with them, Martin, just go all in on that. And people may think, yeah, but I'm cutting out potential parts of my, my audience. So the audience is still big enough Focus on that super tight niche first and then expand out from there. Okay, so it makes sense to be massively you uh, about your particular product to a particular slither of people. That does tend to work really well. So hopefully that, that helps. I don't know if I got your question quite right, but I hope that makes sense. Um, Pervy, Sonia Darby, nice to see you. Good morning from Chicago. Well said, you can't please everyone. Find your right audience that resonates with you and your product. How do you find your right audience? A lot of people say, because how do I convert them if I don't know how to find them? Great question that would be as well. And the way you find them is by getting out and starting to share your voice and what you have to say. I'm using things that, I'm being careful here when I say things like use your voice or, and I don't want to say things like be authentic because they're really cute lines people like to throw out and they don't really mean anything unless you explain it. What I mean by use your voice is consistently put out a signal to these platforms, for example, about what it is you stand for, what it is you talk about, what it is you offer, how you can help and provide value against that. And what that allows is for people to tune in to you after a while, but also allows you to say, do you know what? This is, this is, this is something that, that, that this is kind of my, my vibe and my voice. And then the right people will stick. And that's how you find the right audience because the right people stick because you're, if you, as long as you're talking about the right things, okay, if you're talking about your product space, if you're talking about your service space and doing away in a way that reflects what you're naturally like rather than putting on a show and pretending to be someone you're not, you do move to a place where the right people stick. And like we had in the first question a bit earlier on from uh, Antoni, if you are doing it wrong, well then you've got the right, well, you've got people sticking, but they're the wrong people because you're not putting out the voice. Are you, Amanda uh, and Francie Marlaserda, and Love Macro Nature, Scorpio Lynn 54, JD Photo could go on all night, but lots of cool names. Thank you very much, everyone watching. Hello on um, LinkedIn as well. This is the second week of uh, a LinkedIn Live um, uh, performance of on Startup Business Q&A, but it's actually week 158, so 
three years and two weeks of Q&A questions, about 1,250 in so far. And we're covering today, for those of you who are just tuned in, we're covering conversions. So if you have any questions on that, do pop in with them. Uh, and a couple, and a, if you're watching just now, put in the comments where you're watching from, what city you're in right now. Also, hashtag Team Replay, if you're watching later, or Team Live, if you're watching live with me right now. And shout out, everyone give a wave to uh, everyone. <laughs> everyone give a wave to those listening on the podcast, because they can't see it. <laughs> So uh, next question is from Preksha Kapawan, I think it's over in India, if I remember right from the message uh, on LinkedIn. He asked, great theme indeed. And I'd like to ask, how do you convert your entire audience towards more concentric content to get a business opportunity? I'm not going to entirely answer this question. I want to be really clear here because because this is an opportunity to talk about what conversions can look like. There's a spectrum of conversions, and it doesn't always mean to a sale. Firstly, you will probably never convert your entire audience. It won't happen. You won't. The reason why you won't convert them all is because not everyone in your audience or those who pick you up will buy your thing because it won't be the right time for them or they won't need it. I could sell Rolls-Royce cars and do live streams every week. And not everyone would buy the Rolls-Royce cars because of the budget or they don't care about Rolls-Royce cars, for example. That's not possible, is understand that conversions may not happen with a person, but they can happen through that person. Because everyone has a network when you're online, for example. Everyone has a group of people who are connected with them, who may even follow them and who may even follow them actively. So if I'm doing good things for an audience, if they feel good about me, they may not buy, they may be broke, but within their audience are several people who then pick up me because that's the way platforms work. It propagates the signal through people in your network. And then within their networks, there might be people who think, you know what, this person's great, they stick to me, they become a first connection, they get closer, then they go and buy something. So it's important to understand that Whilst not everyone converts, they may represent people who could convert. So you keep everyone, you know, as much as possible, you keep delivering to everyone. If they don't convert right away, it doesn't matter. Not everyone's going to convert to that particular product. It might be that they will convert at a later date to that product, or they will convert to a different product of yours, maybe at a later date or right now. It might be that someone would never buy any of my courses, but in three years from now, they buy something else of mine that I develop because that's what they need at that time, you see. So you never know. And that's why it's important to do good things for the audience and keep them, at least, you know, don't burn bridges with them, I suppose. So I just wanted to react to that because you won't convert the entire audience, but you've got to recognize that it doesn't mean you entirely ignore the whole audience. If someone's interested, do you share your stuff and so on? Remember, they still may be good, doing good for your network and that can help quite a bit. Uh, Lisa Almessen uh, uh, has said, uh, Team Live, you are so correct about the definitions he says. Thanks so much, uh, Joanna. Uh, Zaku, do you think that competence is shown through all activity and information you post on social media? It can, but it also might not. You might be really good at plumbing, Zachary. Doesn't mean you're going to be really good at your social media. 
Social media is an art and understanding how to do that kind of the community manage, management, there's an elegance to doing it right. And I think, you know, with enough time, people can get it, but a lot of the time people don't. And it can still look quite clunky. If, however, you're really good at what you do, you will ultimately earn a position of probably converting enough to make enough money to be able to outsource that part. And if you're good enough, uh, or, or rather, let me rephrase, if you're aware enough of where you're strong, plumbing, and where you're weak, social media, you'll learn or know to outsource or automate those parts. So the reason why I don't do the nitty gritty granular detail on my Facebook ads is mostly a time thing. I believe I intellectually have the bandwidth to understand it, but I don't have the time to learn that craft. It is a full-time job to do it properly, in my opinion, or what I've seen. And so as a result, it is far better to convert where I'm good, so the things I do well, and taking from that money, I pay a, a Facebook ads guy to do that for me, you see. So that kind of is how I, I converse, uh, do conversions. Let's move on to another question, one from Facebook. Uh, Jerry Lee, who was uh, who featured on a post last week on Instagram, my man from uh, Google, uh, has asked Richard, "How do you make that first conversion?" Well, I think there's two ways of answering this. The first conversion is a nice kind of is a nice, um, uh, almost cheesy way of answering is that your first conversion should be made in the same way as all of your conversions, which is with utmost um, diligence and focus and concentration and doing your best for the person. But more practically, let's let's work on the basis you're asking this as though you're you're just starting out. The first one, typically, if you're starting, you've got no customers and nothing's happened yet, your first one relies on two things. Firstly, it's someone giving you a shot. But secondly, in order for that to happen, it's people buying into you. So if you go roll back to say 2015, when I decided to not just do offline consulting, but dabble in online a bit more, and um, I leveraged Facebook, I had zero social media footprint as such on that platform um, because I wasn't, you know, promoting or anything like that. So pretty much day one, what I was doing there, Jerry, was I was finding people that were relevant to me, maybe going to groups of you know, like-minded people. And I knew that the leverage point wasn't going to be testimonials, experience uh, and things like that online because I hadn't got it yet. The leverage point instead was me. And that's how I've sold things in the past. I think it was 2005 when I had my first management job, a sales manager job, and I was given six websites uh, at a company called Net Resources International, six websites. And I remember the sales, the head of sales saying, there you go, Richard, go and sell those. And they were brand new. And these are like directory listings with marketing. And there was no one on them. So people are like, to start with, people are like, well, why don't you call me back when people have started buying this thing? Because there's no one using it yet. So instead, I had to use charm and personality to sell because otherwise no one was going to bother. So the, the trickle of sales we started to make at the very beginning was very much based on people buying into us and believing in us because we were saying things. Where they're like, do you know what? I think you've got this. I'm worth, uh, I'm an early adopter sufficiently that I'm going to give you some money and we're going to give this a shout. And that's how it had to begin. So... People need to buy into you first. That's the way to do it. And so in 2015, as I said, when I was um, building these connections, it started with DMs and uh, working with their comments on their posts and saying it, just starting a relationship. And from there, 
I was able to warn them to start with the personality side. The first one, uh, your first sales, there's nothing wrong. I did this too. There's nothing wrong with saying, so have a trial. It's kind of normal for a lot of companies nowadays anyway. I, when I was doing, I was doing online consulting, which is, you know, um, I would coach you on how to sell basically for, you know, for three months at a time. And I would do a, like a period of selling, uh, of consulting for that. And um, I'd be like, give me a two week trial. Let's, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll have two phone calls each week and I'll give you some guidance, some advice. And basically at the end of the two weeks, all I'm looking for is a testimonial and a phone call. The phone call to, you know, prove that, to have a phone call to see how it's gone. And what happened is at the end of the two weeks when people were like, I can't live without you. It was like, okay, so let's, let's decide, let's explore working together longer term then. And that, that's where the conversions happen. It's just funny. I find it really interesting that a lot of people, when they're just starting out, utterly refuse to offer to do anything for free. They're already broke. They're not getting any conversions to start with. If your product's good enough, you should be cool with giving it out to start with. There's nothing wrong with a little trial for a couple of weeks. Work for free, show that you're that good. And I'll tell you what, if you're really good enough that you're stubbornly resisting because you want to only get paid for it, what happens if you dare to give someone something for free and it's genuinely that good, then people are like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Of course I'll do it. I'll, I'll pay you. And of course, let's work long term. Now you've got yourself a, a life customer. And now you've got someone who will probably give you a testimony as well. And now that next sale is going to be so much easier. So you can, a wonderful way of converting is to if, just ask yourself, if I could just remove the ego for a second, why don't I just give this person a trial for a couple of weeks or something like that? When they can't live without it, they'll realize that this is something you know they need in their world and that's an easy conversion for you. You just simply say, you know, would you like to explore working together a bit longer? And it works, it really does. I did this time and again and, and I, like I said, I've, I've, I've heard people try it and they said, but it doesn't work because they take my product or my service for free for two weeks and then they leave. And it's like, but don't you get it? That's feedback. What that means is you don't deserve them to pay you because you're not good enough. Sorry. If you're good enough, they will be like, absolutely. I need more of this. I had a, it was a, a top of last week. There was a, um, a client of mine and we drew to the end, or we, drew, like, we drew to a close the end of our month working together. And that person was like, absolutely, let's go forward again. I really want to work again, no problem. I'm like, good. It's validation that I'm doing what I'm doing right. And it was, no, it was no big close or hard close. It wasn't difficult. It was like, yeah, sure, let's go again, no problem. Because it was absurd, the concept of me not being in their world anymore. And that's what your product should be good at doing. And, and this isn't just about being good enough at persuading or good enough at converting. Sorry, your product should be good enough as well if you ever expect someone to stick around. And I think that's fair. Uh, that's the right, right way to look at it. So glad that resonated. FMAC 2.3 <laughs> on Instagram. Damn, that's smart, uh, they wrote. Um, thanks so much uh, for watching over here as well. It's great to keep um, um, uh, Instagram going on well. Uh, if you are on Instagram, um, of course, this is currently re uh, streaming live and it will become, it's kind of a, alongside the, the story, so it dies in 24 hours. But later today, the IGTV um, uh, version of this will go up, so it's there forever if you want to go back. If you hop over to the.richard.more on Instagram, you can go to IT, IGTV and see all the past um, editions of this too. So thank you for watching over there. If you're watching now, you've uh, just joined in, uh, we're talking about conversions today, so pop in a question if you 
got them about converting an audience or traffic or followers or leads or whatever it might be. Also put in the comments, hashtag team replay or team live if you're watching right now and where you're watching from. Uh, and give me a thumbs up if this is making sense so far and this is of use. Let's have a look over on um, LinkedIn. I'm just gonna refresh there. For some reason it's not working as it should, but it seems fine. Uh, the live stream's on, that's the main thing. So let's hop on to another question. Nadine Liver Langlois, who is over on uh, Facebook right now, has asked, uh, how, 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 how do you manage to stay so consistent when inspires you to shake off excuses or lack of motivation? It's not really a question on conversion, although it, uh, I've got family, <laughs> that's a very good motivator, not just get on with my work, then there's no money to get them to live, and, and so that's a big deal. And um, I think, to be honest, uh, it's as simple as, because I'm doing something I really want to do, and I strongly feel that if you've, I'm not saying you specifically, Nadine, but if people find it hard to rouse themselves, and every day, you know, not, the thing is, every so often, you're gonna find it hard because you're human, but every so often is fine. But if it's frequently that you're like, oh, I just don't have the mojo for it. I'm not inspired to do it and so on. I know I should be. Then you're probably just doing the wrong thing. And the thing is, it's difficult, especially in this world of like running your own business or whatever it might be. It's glamorized. In 20 years time, it might not be. And I'll still be doing this because this is what I enjoy doing, you see. And I, I you know, I do feel that... Um, for many, they feel like they, they have to find some way to motivate themselves. If you're not, this is the way to put it. If you're not innately motivated by the work you do, then you really should stop doing it. What I'm not saying is if you're not motivated by like what you may class as the boring stuff. For me, for example, that's sitting down and going through accounts. I know I have to do it, but like, uh, you know, so... I still do it because it's part of the whole process. But in the main, the work, if it's not inspiring, you stop and do something else. That is absolutely the advice I, I, I would say. Um, but also, I think um, it, there, are, there aren't really excuses because this is something I've constructed as well. I've like built this whole thing myself. So it's by design, really. If there are bits I don't want to do, then I don't do them. But another thing I have done, Nadine, is I've... I've I have a very uh, focused day that is a very, I try to keep it very productive, but I've also got in a day time built in for what's known as slippage. So if, for example, things don't work out, if I'm interrupted, or if I'm not quite feeling it, I don't need literally all minutes uh, that I am awake to do precisely all the stuff I've got to do because no one's that robotic. It's, it's like, you know, every so often you do need to have a bit of time out. And I suppose as part of that, as well as building in redundancy should it be needed, I also build in time to just kind of recharge and refuel a bit. And this weekend, for example, was quite chilled out. I went away for a couple of days uh, on Friday. I also, what I also do is throughout the day, just as mandatory as, for instance, doing this live Q&A every week and doing, um, you know, uh, closing a sale or having a meeting or preparing for something, um, I have just as mandatory having some time out, like I like spend some time making good coffee and, and so on, you know, whatever it might be, like that's part of it. So rather than waiting for a time when I'm not feeling so inspired or motivated, what I'll do is I'll, I will um, continually punctuate my day with good stuff. 
on top of the fact I'm doing something I want to do anyway, and it moves me to a place where I'm just constantly on a fairly buoyant uh, state of mind, I suppose. Um, but bottom line is this, look, I, I, I've got quite a wonderful opportunity in front of me with all the tech we've got available, all the wonderful audience, and the fact that, for example, this live has been running for 158 weeks, it's kind of rude and almost bordering unethical to not bother showing up because I don't feel like it. And I think there's a wider, um, a wider need beyond just myself and, uh, you know, things like, things like the, the Entrepreneur Business Live event. So next week we've got Nottingham and the Brun Bear Foundation, wonderful charity. I met the founder um, uh, very recently. Uh, Edwin Lamper in London at a LinkedIn local youth event I was doing and um, you know like there are people they, they work with medical research for children for example there are people who are going to benefit from the charity donation um, the Chicago event a few weeks ago the, the Drive Forward Foundation event uh, a week and a half ago like you know these are things that affect a wider set of people so almost the way I get over it is by saying to myself like how dare I decide to not be bothered today because there's other people who can benefit from the work I do and I just think that's just not cool so if I don't feel in the mood I'm, I'm I've, I think this is a habit though I, I get very good at saying so suck it up Richard and get on with it and I think that's an important thing for people to do as well so uh, thanks for the question I, I don't really do motivational stuff but that's kind of my answer as best I can give it um Lee Lam, nice to see you here. Uh, Team Live, as you've added. Um, Lisa, uh, you, I've already read out your, um, your comment on, on um, uh, LinkedIn, so thank you very much for watching. Uh, thanks everyone for watching on all of these platforms. This is marvellous. Let's do a couple more questions. James Perry, what's the best way to build a sales funnel, funnel end to end? For example, what to include webinar, book, consultation, what to use click funnels, etc. Best way to nurture prospects after funnel process. Yeah, because we've got all that time, right? Well, I'll stay here all day. <laughs> That's a massive question, James. Um, apologies, lots of questions in this one. Yes, there are. Look, the thing is, it does depend on the proposition. If you're selling a high end, so a high, a high, uh, high ticket, so expensive or lots of, of uh, investment uh, product at the back end, you can't walk if you're doing the front end of your sales ladder, the, uh, the high ticket, low, yeah, the, the low ticket, high volume one, the ones that don't cost so much, but you expect to sell loads of them, those products, you don't necessarily need quite the funnel. If you're trying to get opt-ins for your newsletter, you don't have to do too much at all. Some really well-placed ads can do that. Um, I remember I was running uh, marketing for a yoga school years ago, and I did such good work converting um, uh, cold traffic through a singular advert to sign up as they're interested in in the uh, in in being part of the club. That was an amazing ad ad set. But then there were other ones where it's like I'm trying to do a lot more. I'm trying to get people to really part with cash for something they're not necessarily thinking about. So I have to do some other touch points along the way. So the other thing about the product itself, and it might be that your product requires a few more steps, uh, James, without question. Having said that. You should start with something of what's known as a lead magnet. You should be starting with something that's going to draw people in. And the cliche, and it was it kind of, I'm not saying it's over because it still works, but maybe 2016, 2017, the webinar really worked, you know, the free webinar. But the problem is there's a lot of cynicism now with, with webinars. It's like, oh, great, you go, I won't be able to scrub forward. It's going to be pre-recorded. You're going to be sitting there for an hour talking about some little thing, I get a little pithy bit of value, and at the end you try and sell me. Well, yeah, and the, the problem is that that cynicism means less people are going to sign up for it. It might work, but multiple 
lead magnets is a good idea. So if you've got an ebook, great. But no one reads ebooks anymore, except for a very small people, a set of people who do read ebooks. So maybe you have one there, you have an audio book, because I don't read, I listen, for example, and that might work for that set of people. But I do feel that you have to have something low um, ticket. And what it means is they don't provide, need to provide much in the way of money or um, uh, engagement to access or consume that that entry point so of your funnel so it's giving away something for free and that might just be value or something like that and then you need to be thinking like what does the conversion from there look like so once you've got these people these leads coming in those who have decided to engage in something and that might be that they've just watched a video you might have done a teaser video you're going to retarget them with another one on facebook for example and that you know your video has been a minute or something like that and it's just but they've watched it the question now is like, well, what does this funnel reflect? Am I going to try and sell someone something big? Well, either way, I need to try and get involved manually. Unless you can't move for leads, unless it's thousands of them dropping in every day, in which case retarget them and try and close them off, it, it needs to be that you work probably manually with them. I had someone the other day who found my LinkedIn ad on Facebook for my LinkedIn course. Then that person sent me an um, um, a direct message on Facebook asking about the course and so like rather than just retarget her with content that's one where it's like do you know what I can manually close this person right now so I one-on-one uh, -on -one with them so you gotta ask yourself as much as is possible because the best way to convert people is manually because it's most effective it's not efficient but it's most effective is always say to yourself how can I engage manually with someone if I can do it, I should if there's so many of them that I can't do them all, well, now you need to look at something a bit more automated. But that's a good way to kind of look at your funnel. Your funnel really could be as simple as someone's a bit of interest in something you do, maybe just a bit of con uh, content. And that's sufficient for you to say, right, now I'm going to engage with them manually and I'll warm them up. And then I can close them in whatever it is I like because people by people, right? So you need the, what it is, is about creating the space or the opportunity to engage with someone to the point where they're like, I really like this person and they want to, they want to kind of buy into you more and more. And then exciting conversations can happen. So that's what I would be saying uh, 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 to that, um, uh, James. Um, but for, for other products, you might just need to spend time giving them plenty more value till such a time that they're ready or trust you enough simple as that so there's no simple answer there I'm afraid you know you mentioned click funnels here there's nothing wrong with click funnels it's great and I think that for many it's a good start point it's the drag and drop idea but you know for advanced sales it might not work quite as well because you need to spend more time with someone manually um, but if you're working a volume approach it can really work something like online courses or, or ebooks or, or whatever something's low ticket I think you could probably do really well with, with click funnels go try it out Reality is, or well, the question is, does ClickFunnels work? Yes, it does. It works if you're good at using it, like with anything. Facebook ads work as well, if you're good at doing them. If you're not, they don't work. And that's not Facebook ads, it's not ClickFunnels, it's you. So it's a case of what you're putting in as well. So hopefully that, hopefully that helps a bit. It's a difficult question to answer because it's, su it's such a big thing. If you send me a message uh, with what you're trying to sell, I can be a bit more um, tailored for you on, on that one. Uh, those of you joining in, thanks very much for watching. Gianna Williams watching from the Cayman Islands. Uh, good morning, Richard. Good morning, to, well, good afternoon from here. Uh, good to see you here. Thanks so much for watching. Uh, let's go to one more question before we finish up uh, and we'll answer one from uh, Jenny Shearman. 
she's who's uh, I think you're uh, West Coast actually, Jenny. You, you said I'd probably catch the tail end live, but wanted to ensure I could watch it all. Shout out to you. My main question right now, as I scale my coaching business, is around converting followers. When once someone has a small following on IG or LinkedIn or Facebook, one, how, what, and when is the best time to start crafting offers, and two, what might that look like? Thank you very much. So. Again, one-on-one -on -one is a good way of doing it. When you've got a small audience and you're starting to get people showing a bit of interest, engage one-on-one. -on -one. That's a nice way to start it off, okay? Because what it allows you to do is give them some real love and attention. You get so much back from them because they're getting attention that people don't tend to give. That is the game at the start. Sorry, it's a lot of work, but that's how you're most likely to effectively convert these, these initial engagements. What you're looking for I don't know what you're offering, Jenny, so I, I, I don't know how to comment in, entirely in terms of your coaching, but, um, but if your coaching is something along, akin to what I do maybe, so working with people one-on-one -on -one over time, uh, or maybe with businesses, it, I would presume is a bit more of a high-ticket product than you know 20 quid a day kind of thing. So on that basis, you need to think, I need to really warm this person up, and um, in order to do that, what I'm looking to do is get them through a number of steps. So if that person's engaging with me, perhaps through my content, I need to, it's a really terrible term, but it is perfect for it, is I need to break them from the herd. So I've got this audience of people, I need to break that person off and engage with them. And in order to get somewhere there, what I need to do is, is simply start the DMs because they've been showing up and they're being familiar uh, uh, with my content. And it's just simply to say thanks very much for engaging. But then what I need to do is engage and talk and build a relationship like I would in the offline world. Don't go weird and try and pitch them, just engage. And what happens is you'll eventually talk shop. You'll eventually talk about their world. They'll eventually ask you about yours. And when you say something that brings out a compliment is known as the cue. Basically, what's happening is they're queuing you up to uh, they're giving you a cue to ask for something so they will and that will look like a compliment that'll be them saying something like do you know what this is great that's been really useful thank you so much i never looked at it that way or something like that i can really do something with that information thank you thank you thank you then jenny all you need to say is do you know what why don't we explore what it would look like if we work together then or i know i can help you why don't we hop on a call and talk about it and they're likely to say yes because then um, the the message is with you but actually to compliment you which is more how it might work and typically they want to do it if you're nervous and you're just starting out then you look for a second cue just to really make to reinforce it and at that point it's like you've just got to jump on a call and ask and, and then work through your process of showing them how they can work with you and, and i think that really does work so well um, I want to draw that to a close here now. Instagram's hitting on the hit in the hour, so it will turn off the live stream anyway. Thank you everyone for watching. Tune in again next week for another Q and A. Uh, and in the meantime, have an amazing uh, Monday and rest of your week ahead. Bye bye, those of you on Instagram. Thank you very much listening. Uh, those of you listening on um, on uh, the podcast. See you later, everyone on Facebook.